48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. Tonight's headlines. Authorities confirm 73 new COVID-19 cases as a cluster involving dance clubs continues to grow. A new subsidy for grassroots COVID patients will require a formal declaration but no means test. And activists Joshua Wong, Agnes Chow and Ivan Lam are remanded in custody after pleading guilty to protest-related charges. Health authorities reported 73 new coronavirus cases today as an outbreak linked to dance studios continued to expand with another 50 infections. Wendy Wong reports. Officials said that seven more venues on top of the 14 previously announced were found to be connected to the outbreak. So far, 132 recent visitors to these places and their close contacts have been confirmed to have COVID-19. Dr. Tran Shukwan of the Centre for Health Protection said she can't predict to what extent this cluster will grow. This depends on the behaviour of the general public and the cases. Whether social distance measures they would adopt, whether they stop going out for a while. Among the new cases in the dance cluster are two members of staff who worked at two of the venues and a part-time dance instructor at Chulai Middle School. Students who came into contact with the instructor are to be tested for COVID-19. Meanwhile, officials have been unable to trace the source of infection for eight people, including four housewives who live in various districts. There are also 10 infections involving people who recently returned from abroad. Meanwhile, more than 70 people have tested positive for the virus in preliminary tests. The government says there'll be no means test for a new scheme to hand out $5,000 to grassroots workers who contract COVID. But the Labour and Welfare Secretary, Lord Chi Kwong, says that only those who live hand-to-mouth can apply and they will have to make an official declaration about their financial situation. Are those who have substantial reduction in income and will be suffering from financial difficulties, then they will be eligible to apply for this extra payment. I don't expect some high-income groups will be entitled to such circumstances. Although the strictest way is to do a means test. But then you understand to do a means test will prolong the application process. And it can be uh, hard to the applicants too, because they may have to provide such a lot of information before the application is approved. Those caught making false declarations face criminal liability. The annual book fair has fallen victim to the latest wave of coronavirus cases. The event was postponed from its usual July date and had been due to begin on December the 16th, but won't now take place this year. Its organiser, the Trade Development Council, said all supporting organisations and exhibitors agreed that public health must come first. The fair will now begin on July the 15th next year. The pro-democracy activists Joshua Wong, Agnes Chow and Ivan Lam have been remanded in custody after pleading guilty to charges related to a major protest outside police headquarters last year. The trio are expected to be sentenced on December the 2nd. Francis Sett reports. Thousands of protesters laid siege to the police headquarters in Wan Chai on June 21st last year to press the government to withdraw the later abandoned extradition bill and demanding the authorities stop categorizing earlier protests as riots. There were no major clashes with the police during the rally, but protesters blocked roads and the building's entrances, smashed surveillance cameras and vandalized the building's walls. Wong, Chao and Lam, former leaders of the now disbanded Demosisto group, admitted inciting people 
people to join an unauthorized assembly. The 23-year-old Chow also pleaded guilty to taking part in the assembly, while Wong admitted organizing the protest. They face a maximum punishment of three years behind bars. The defense lawyers appeal for lenient sentences, urging the court to take into account the trio's young ages, Chow's clear record, and the fact that they did not incite or get involved in any violence at the protest. Magistrate Wong C. Lai reserves sentencing to next Wednesday, but rule out community service for Ivan Lam due to his previous convictions. Britain's government says it's reviewing whether to continue allowing its judges to sit on the SAR's Court of Final Appeal. In the latest six-month report on Hong Kong, the British Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab says he's consulting the President of the Supreme Court and Britain's top legal official, the Lord Chancellor, on the matter. The report reiterates London's view that the SAR's national security law and the expulsion of four lawmakers breach the Sino-British Joint Declaration. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. The Hong Kong Bar Association has demanded that the Justice Secretary, Theresa Cheng, take action against pro-Beijing newspaper Takung Pao over its attack on a High Court judge who last week ruled against the police practice of riot officers not displaying their ID numbers at protests. Vicky Wong reports. In a letter to Ms Cheng, the association expressed its utter dismay and astonishment after the newspaper's front-page headline on Friday read, Fugs rule, no human rights for policemen. It was accompanied by a cartoon depicting a protester saying to an officer, show me your number, the judge backs me. The association said the article suggested that Judge Anderson Chow was biased in favour of protesters or supported criminal activities. It said Talkung Pao's peace bordered on contempt of court. The association reminded Ms Cheng that it's up to her to defend the judiciary against the pernicious accusations made in the newspaper article. It warned individuals criticising the judge and questioning his motives and integrity that they could be breaking the law. The mainland is reportedly planning to include new measures to encourage more births and address its rapidly ageing population as part of its new 2021-2025 five-year plan. Priscilla Ng reports. The official China Daily cited experts as saying that the country will offer extensive financial and policy support to encourage couples to have more children. China introduced a controversial one-child policy in 1978, saying efforts to reduce poverty and develop the economy were being undermined by rapid population growth, especially in the countryside. But the world's most populous nation decided in 2016 to relax restrictions and allow couples to have a second child in a bid to address the rapid increase in the elderly as well as a dwindling workforce. Experts predict that on current trends, the number of people of working age could decline by 200 million by 2050. They warned that would impose huge pressure on the country's health and social care system, adding all birth restrictions should now be scrapped entirely. The Trump administration is said to be close to declaring that 89 Chinese aerospace and other companies have military ties, a move that would restrict them from buying a range of American technology. The Reuters news agency said it had seen a draft copy of the list, which, if published, could further escalate Sino-US trade tensions and hurt US companies that sell civil aviation parts and components to Beijing. Oxford University says large-scale trials of its new vaccine against COVID-19 show it's highly effective and will save many lives. The vaccine is easy to store and transport and is cheap to produce. 
No one who had the jab, developed with the drug company AstraZeneca, needed to be admitted to hospital. The BBC's Palab Ghosh reports. This is the third set of results in as many weeks in which a vaccine has shown that it can stop people developing COVID-19 symptoms. At first sight, its figure of 70% protection may seem disappointing compared to the 95% figures announced earlier by Pfizer and Moderna. But it's still a highly effective vaccine, which has also been shown to be 90% effective if volunteers are given half a dose, followed by a full dose. The researchers are puzzled as to why that's the case. The Oxford vaccine is made using a different technology to the other two and can be stored at normal fridge temperatures, so it'll be easier to deploy. Israeli media say that Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu secretly flew to Saudi Arabia on Sunday. He's reported to have met the kingdom's crown prince Mohammed bin Salman and the US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. From Jerusalem, the BBC's Tom Bateman reports. A private jet used by Mr Netanyahu was tracked flying on Sunday to the Saudi megacity of Neom. Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman was meeting US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who has been on a tour of the region and who has helped broker historic deals to normalize ties between Israel and Arab states. Such a private meeting between the Saudi and Israeli leaders is of major significance. The countries have no formal diplomatic relations. Overall levels of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere have continued to rise despite a sharp drop in carbon emissions in the first half of the year because of coronavirus lockdowns. But the World Meteorological Organization says the rate of growth slowed a little. Details from the BBC's Matt McGrath. When governments shut down their economies earlier this year, emissions of carbon dioxide from transport and industry declined dramatically. At the peak of restrictions, CO2 fell by 17% compared to the previous year. But this powerful warming gas can linger in the atmosphere for centuries. So concentrations in the air have continued to grow in 2020, building on record rises in recent decades. An activist in Singapore has been charged with staging an illegal one-man protest after he stood outside a police station holding a sign bearing a smiley face. The BBC's Michael Bristow reports. Jonathan Wan raised the crudely drawn placard for just a few seconds near a police station in March in support of a previous protest by climate activists on the same spot. He's been charged with taking part in an unauthorised public gathering and could be fined several thousand dollars. He went to court wearing a T-shirt decorated with a smiley face. Singapore has strict rules that limit protests, but one human rights organisation said this particular prosecution would turn the city-state into a laughingstock. More local news. Hong Kong residents have started returning from Guangdong and Macau under a new scheme that exempts them from quarantine. Some of them told RTHK they're thrilled to be back, even though they know a fourth wave of coronavirus infections is hitting the territory. Maggie Ho reports. Miss Ho was among the first to return from Macau under the new scheme. She's made it just in time to celebrate her daughter's 18th birthday. The quarantine-free arrangement with a health code is much more convenient. When I went to Macau, I had to be quarantined and I gained so much weight. It was hard. I will not go back to Macau until the border reopens. Quarantine is too difficult to endure. This retired civil servant, surnamed Zheng, was impressed with how smooth things were at the Shenzhen Bay border crossing. The border opened at 10. It's now 10.33 and I'm here. It's not bad. I know that it's starting to get worse on this side. 
Perhaps I'll go for tea with one or two friends who live nearby, but big meals or gatherings, I don't think so. He says he had returned to make an annual declaration that he is still alive in order to keep receiving his pension. Up to 5,000 people a day can return to Hong Kong from Macau and Guangdong without going into quarantine under the new exemption program, on a condition that they have tested negative for COVID-19. There is no current reciprocal arrangement for Hong Kongers heading the other way. People who had recently been to the dance clubs linked to a growing cluster of COVID-19 cases have been getting tested at four government testing centres. But many were unhappy with the long queues and the overall arrangements. One person said they had to wait in line for almost two hours at a centre in Yamatai. Another man had to leave because it was taking so long. This is very bad. If you want people to get tested, why don't you open a few more testing centres? There were a lot of centres when the government rolled out the mass testing scheme. How come there are so few now? Workers like us have to come here all of a sudden, only to find that there are too many people here. And now I have to go to work, I'll have to come back tomorrow. A 62-year-old man, believed to be the alleged triad boss Shanghai boy, has been remanded in police custody after being arrested at the airport last night. Priscilla Ng reports. Officers from the Organized Crime and Triad Bureau said they made the arrest after receiving intelligence. The suspect was being detained on suspicion of defamation, conspiracy to wound and conspiracy to commit criminal damage. Shanghai Boy, whose real name is Kwok Wing Hong, was also arrested by the police in 2017 in suspicion of laundering more than 100 million Hong Kong dollars, but he allegedly went on the run. He made headlines in 2012 when he reportedly attempted attended a dinner with aides of C.Y. Lung, who was running for chief executive at the time. Police have arrested a mainland woman on suspicion of providing Botox injections without a license. Officers say a 32-year-old woman who allegedly paid almost $40,000 for three Botox treatments fell ill after receiving the injections and is thought to have suffered botulism poisoning. Police say the 31-year-old arrestee travelled to Hong Kong with a two-way permit and advertised her services on social media. Sport now. World football's governing body FIFA has banned the head of the game in Africa for five years. The president of the Confederation of African Football, Ahmad Ahmad, was found guilty of four breaches of FIFA's code of ethics. The BBC's Alex Capstick reports. When Ahmed Ahmed was elected in 2017, it was hailed as a new beginning, a period of improved transparency for the Confederation of African Football. Instead, it's been found that his presidency featured a number of financial irregularities. One deal under investigation involved a French company which won a contract to provide equipment despite being much more expensive than the previous provider. The five-year ban has derailed his campaign to be re-elected as the head of CAF. A reminder of our top stories, authorities confirm 73 new COVID-19 cases, a new subsidy for grassroots COVID patients will require a formal declaration but no means tests, and activist Joshua Wong, Agnes Chow and Ivan Lam are remanded in custody after pleading guilty to protest-related charges. The news from RTHK. RTHK, Radio 3. It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's NewsWrap programme. The Hong Kong Bar Association has demanded that the Justice Secretary, Theresa Cheng, take action against the pro-Beijing newspaper, Takung Pao, over its criticism of a High Court judge. 
Last week, Mr Justice Anderson Chow ruled that the police complaints mechanism and the practice of officers not wearing IDs during protests were in breach of the Bill of Rights. The association sent a letter to Ms Chang expressing its utter dismay and astonishment at the way the newspaper reported on the ruling. It noted that the paper's front page headline on Friday read, Thugs rule, no human rights for policemen, and was accompanied by a cartoon depicting a protester saying to an officer, show me your number, the judge backs me. Anna-Marie Evans asked Anita Yip, the vice chair of the association, why it wrote the letter. I think, as stated in our statement, which was published this morning, we, in accordance with or in line with previous statements issued with the um, Hong Kong Bar Association, um, all criticisms of the judiciary must be based on a rational um, uh, must be based on a rational basis. And the article um, which was published verges on contempt of court um, because, as you can see um, uh, uh, from the article, the main problem um, is that. Um, there is a cartoon. Um, there was the um, there was there was criticism about the um, decision of Mr. Justice Anderson Chow, and right next to it there was a cartoon showing a thug or um, in the usual garb of a protester uh, waving a Molotov cocktail in front of a police officer. And this cartoon character appeared to be suggesting that oh, I have the support of the judge and show me your number. Now it appears to suggest, um, and we fear that there is this um, conveying of this message, that um, the judge was partisan and was biased in favour of protesters or even supporting criminal activities because um, um, you can see that the thug, as it appears in the cartoon, was waving a weapon at the police officer. And um, this is not kind of like rational discussion. Uh, we welcome all criticisms of even judicial um, uh, judgments or even um, uh, or judgments, but um, anything which verges on, um, which is not rational and which is not supported by reason um, should not be encouraged. But what about freedom of the press? Well, there is a fine line um, between freedom of the press and uh, you go beyond the board of levelling scathing attacks without basis. I think it is well settled that this is not an unrestricted case unrestricted kind of freedom, the Hong Kong Bar Association prefaced our comment that uh, we welcome sensible and rational discussion, um, even debate or discourse, uh, or discourse. But then it is not a free rider. You cannot levy attacks which verge on or bordering on contempt of court um, no, in yes. this in this fashion. Now, this isn't the first attack on the judiciary like this, is it? I don't think it is the first one, because I think um, uh, there were previous occasions mm. and, uh, which necessitated issue of um, similar statements from the Hong Kong Bar Association condemning irrational and emotional or comments which were only emotional and not supported by any reason. Um, I think in our previous statements, we did say that um, you don't um, uh, level scathing criticism on judges, judicial officers or on judges. Um, simply because you don't like the outcome, you don't welcome the um, uh, you don't welcome the result. Um, all the judgments are available on the net, and um, there are proper procedures for remedying an incorrect decision, like appeals, judicial review, as the case may be. And there are open avenues to challenge um, a decisions which um, you may find problematic. But we do not welcome, and we discourage, and we do not think that it should be encouraged in any way. Um, any uh, insensible criticism which is not based on reason. What would you like Justice Secretary Theresa Cheng to do? 
uh, we believe that in line with the uh, very recent decision, incidentally, um, I think all of us uh, are aware that there's a recent decision by Mr. Justice Coleman um, uh, on doxing of judicial officers. Um, and in line with this decision, and actually in line with the tradition of the Secretary for Justice, which is the Minister of uh, responsible for the Administration of Justice, um, we believe that the, um, uh, 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 the Secretary for Justice um, should speak up um, for the rule of law um, and condemn all acts um, which uh, border on contempt of court. Now, there's been a couple of incidents where incidences recently where judges have been seen by pro-establishment, both lawmakers and others, uh, that, that their rulings were in favour of the more sort of protest side. Um, mm. And then they've uh, been, uh, you know, suddenly found new jobs. Uh, could you anticipate that that might happen for Justice Anderson Chow? <laughs> well, this is not for us to comment. We do hope that the appropriate institution will take the appropriate step. We, we believe in um, a, a transparent system. I don't think that it is appropriate for us to comment on something which may or may not happen. Cases of the coronavirus are again exploding across the entire United States. Infections and deaths are the highest recorded in six months, with at least one American dying per minute. The White House maintains that the country is more prepared than ever before, but health officials warn that the lack of a national plan and a mix of pandemic fatigue and misinformation is allowing the situation to spiral out of control. The BBC's Nada Torfik reports from Nebraska, a state spurred early in the crisis, but now experiencing one of the fastest outbreaks in the nation. At the Nebraska Medical Center, the team works to intubate another patient starved of oxygen due to COVID. Do you guys have what you need for pressers? Placing those in their care on ventilators is a treatment of last resort. But more and more here, the ill are losing the fight against the deadly virus. And nurses say never before have things been so dire. We have, I think they said, 10 COVID units, um, and one of those is just a place for people to go and pass away, unfortunately. The fact that we've had to open multiple units so quickly is very concerning. This is nothing like I've ever seen or experienced. More than 1,700 of Nebraska's healthcare providers signed a letter pleading with people to wear masks. Doctors Christopher Miller and Thomas Marston were the ones who wrote it. It's very worrisome and it's also emotionally draining in itself to see that there's people out there not taking the precautions that we need, not taking this seriously still. And we're seeing numbers rise at such a rate that there won't be a bed for you. There won't be someone to take care for you. There will be true if you have a car accident and you're a young, otherwise healthy person. And that to us is just tragic. Can you just give us a sense of kind of the day-to-day -day things you're dealing with in the hospital? A case that really stands out to me is when I had this middle-aged gentleman who we had been doing our best to not intubate, not to get to the point where we had to put him on a ventilator. And his breathing just got to the point where we had to make that decision. And we told him we were gonna to have to put him on the ventilator and he begged us to call his wife so he could say goodbye to her one more time before we put him on the ventilator because he knew that that was goodbye. And we see it over and over again and it's tough. I just wonder how much do you find yourself in a position of 
not just fighting this virus, but the misinformation around this virus. I think it's emotionally exhausting to listen to the patients who come in and are bordering getting intubated and telling us that they don't believe in the virus. So it's, it's kind of a, a scary thing to see. Or saying that they wish they would have taken it seriously sooner. Despite the current circumstances, the state's Republican governor, Pete Ricketts, who is an ally of President Trump, continues to reject the idea of a statewide mask mandate. I don't think mask mandates are appropriate. I think that they breed resistance. To the dismay of health professionals, some still view mask requirements as an infringement on their civil liberties. But in neighboring states such as North Dakota and Iowa, other Republican governors are now reversing course as the virus spreads rampantly. Our situation has changed and we must change with it. To be clear, these are statewide requirements, not simply recommendations. Now through December 10th, when your indoor masks are required to be worn. Yet there's a fear that some Americans have grown numb to the staggering death toll and that the upcoming holiday season of joy could turn into a season of sorrow. Oxford Languages, which produces the Oxford English Dictionary, has expanded its word of the year to encompass several words of an unprecedented year. Many are related to the coronavirus pandemic. The BBC's Amal Rajan reports. Pandemic-related words of the year include remote and remotely, both up by more than 300% since March. Workation, staycation and furlough. And COVID, a new word for 2020. Not all the words of the year are pandemic-related, however. While there was an 80% reduction in the use of the word Brexit this year, references to Black Lives Matter, mail-in and conspiracy theory have surged. 2020 always had the ring of a landmark year. The words we've used capture its peculiarity uniquely well. Operation Santa Claus is now in full swing. Jointly organised with the South China Morning Post, this year we're supporting 19 charities. One of them is the Senior Citizen Home Safety Association, which aims to provide hundreds of elderly residents with home care services over the next year. Anna-Marie Evans spoke to the association's chief executive, Mara Wong. So Senior Citizen Home Safety Association is a non-profit organization that provides both at home and uh, tele-based services to senior citizens, elderly at home, so that they can lead a good quality life. So what would you like to do f with the Operation Santa Claus project? So that's Easy Home Service. Yes. So Easy Home Service is the at-home service arm of our operation. We would like to be able to help the elderly with needs in order to, for example, take care of their health or clean their homes, or if they are recovering from a illness, be able to have proper rehabilitation at home. Or sometimes they will have to go to the hospitals for medical visits and they may not have people who can take them there because their family members may be busy. And we can help them by providing people to escort them to see doctors. 
So Easy Home Service, how many people are you hoping to cater for? And, and the, the idea behind this is to ensure that as many elderly people can be as independent as they can at home. Absolutely. So with the support of Operation Santa Claus, we're hoping that we can help seven to 800 elderly within a year uh, by maintaining the independent living, both uh, health-wise as well as uh, their mental and social needs. So the idea is that, that these people can be fully functioning at home, but you're just going to give them that extra bit of help. So it's also very good security, as you say, to ensure you can check on people, provide them with some cleaning, and, and accompany them to hospital. Is that the idea? Exactly, exactly. Because especially uh, since uh, COVID commenced in February, we saw a dire need for help at home. Because during this period of time, especially in the spring, some of the community services actually were disrupted. They stopped. Can you tell me a little bit more individually about some of the people that you're helping with this Operation Santa Claus funding? Sure. Mr. and Mrs. Young. Mr. Young is 86 years old and Mrs. Young is 95 years old. Mrs. Young is uh, bedridden. She has some chronic disease and she can't really move around and needs to be taken care of quite intensively. Mr. Young himself found out that he has uh, eye problem, uh, macular de degeneration, and he needs to go to the public hospital in order to get treated. But if he goes to the public hospital for his appointment, there's no one at home to take care of his bedridden wife. So what we did was we arranged for our teammates, uh, we call them teammates, to go with Mr. Young to see the doctor, and he got his uh, surgical operation, and he was able to recover in a few weeks' time from that. And during all these medical visits, we arranged another teammate to go and take care of Mrs. Young. It's a challenging environment for, for everyone. I think I would really like to urge all of you to think of those who are the most vulnerable and just do a little bit more, take that extra step, uh, which goes a long, long way. And it's Christmas. I think we all need a warm Christmas, a joyous Christmas, where people like to be reminded that there is still love and care. That was Maura Wong, Chief Executive of the Senior Citizen Home Safety Association, talking to Radio 3's Anna-Marie Evans. If you want to know more or wish to make a donation to Operation Santa Claus 2020, please visit the Radio 3 homepage or osc.scnp.com. Those stories were part of the NewsRap programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Steve Dunthorn from our newsroom... Legislation on national security in Hong Kong is designed to safeguard national sovereignty, security and development interests. It will also ensure that Hong Kong becomes a safer, more stable city. The legislation is aimed at an extremely small minority of those whose behavior and activities pose threats to national security. It will not affect the legitimate rights and freedoms enjoyed and exercised by Hong Kong residents in accordance with the law. National security law preserves one country, two systems, and restores stability. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December, we'll have moments to remember. 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 Moments to remember. The theme of this program, Nostalgia. 
Nostalgia with Ray Cudero all the way until 1 a.m. This is a theme from Limelight, composed by Charlie Chaplin and performed by Mantovani. orchestration there from Mentovari. That was, of course, Limelight by Sir Charles Chaplin. Maria Elena, you're the answer to a prayer. Maria Elena, can't you see how much I care? To me, your voice is like the echo of 